0: You know, it doesn't matter You know who your parents were or where you went to school or who your boss is right now. Success is available to everyone. You know, it's not reserved for an elite set of people who went to the right school or found the right path or got the right promotion or lived in the right neighborhood. You know, success is a goal that you can define and it's all about finding what matters most to you and spending your time on that. Welcome to the Career Nation Show, where you learn the strategies and tools to own and drive your career. Find out more at careertiger.com.
1: Today, we have customer insights leader from one of the largest SaaS companies on the planet, i.e. Salesforce. She is a keynote speaker and an author. Please welcome Karen Mangia.
0: Thanks so much. It's great to be here.
1: Tell us a little bit about your journey thus far from like the early days to now being a VP of Customer Insights at Salesforce?
0: Well, I often say that I did not choose a high tech career. A high tech career chose me. And the reason that I say that is I studied some different things in my undergrad, actually international business and broadcast telecommunications. And ultimately what put me on the path toward a career in high tech was calling off an engagement. And deciding that I needed to take a different path and, of course, while unwinding a lot of life choices, I was very fortunate to get a call from someone in my network who said to me, I have the most amazing opportunity for you. You can get your master's in information and communication sciences in one year. And, you know, think of it this way. If you don't love it, you'll be young and have a master's degree. If you do love it, you'll be on the path. And so it was an interesting set of twists and turns to get there. But what I found once I arrived was I loved the environment of the pace and the innovation and the problem solving. Mm -hmm. And so from there, finishing my master's, I had the opportunity to start my career at AT AT&T. And my theory was it was a household brand. So in the future, I would never have to explain what the company was or what we did. And also that I could probably take a variety of different roles there without having to change companies, which proved to be true. And from there, I had an opportunity to move on to Cisco because during my time at at and I worked on some customers alongside the Cisco team. So I had a chance to get to know people in the context of winning together, which is always a great start. Yep. So during my 11 years at Cisco did sales leadership, you know, learned about working with channel partners and building strategic alliances, and then ultimately worked on customer experience and voice of the customer there. And then, you know, at my present time, I'm at Salesforce. And, you know, I think back, all of those building blocks of learning about customers, learning about different business models, you know, Mm -hmm. and then learning about how to listen to customers and turn that feedback into action created an opportunity to really now see the tech industry from a different point of view, um, working at a SaaS company that's growing very, very rapidly.
1: This might be a good time to just double click a little bit on that customer piece. And quite frankly, in your journey, AT&T, Cisco, and now Salesforce, uh, you've been always working with customers and customer insight sounds like it's kind of the next level up, which is basically understanding what your customers do, but then also helping educate the rest of the company about what customers are looking for etc tell us a little bit about this function and how your role works and how do you create value uh, for customers as well as maybe internally in your organization
0: one of the aspects of being in sales and sales leadership that i always enjoyed was understanding customer stories you know the problems they're trying to solve what they're looking for in a partner and then really diving into what role we could play as a company in making that happen. Mm -hmm. And so when I matched that up with that telecommunications background that I was sharing earlier, what I learned was I enjoy hearing people's stories, looking for trends, and then being able to amplify the story within a company in such a compelling way that people are moved to take action. Because I feel like, it's always a different experience when you get a bunch of survey responses and those are incredibly important right because they help you learn about trends and how you're doing but oftentimes what motivates people to take action you know to either fix problems or capture opportunities is a story you know getting down to the heart of who are you helping how are you helping them you know and what does success look like together and so i had a lot to learn You know, if I could go back in time to university, I would pay a lot more uh, attention in my statistics class and in my research methods (laughs) class. (laughs) Uh, But since I didn't, I kind of had to learn on the job. And so what I discovered over time was how valuable it is to engage customers in a way that helps you discover blind spots. And we all have them. You know, even the best programs where you ask customers on a regular basis how you're doing and use that information well, you know, the information that you get is only as good as the questions you ask. And sometimes customers talk to each other or ultimately move to your competitors because they're having conversations in those spaces they don't have with you. So ultimately I find really that the value of being able to listen to customers and how you create value is knowing the big trends You know, how are you doing on those things that matter most in terms of continuing and growing your relationship, but also really being able to dial into the nuances in a way that scales, you know, developing a message. So every person in the company has a drumbeat of what customers care about it and what they can do to affect it. So at the end of the day, you know, the idea is grow customer loyalty and retention and referrals um, as an outcome of that, but it's just a really strategic partnership You know, when you can amplify a customer's biggest challenges or biggest opportunities, and then really bring people together at the company to do something about it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I can totally relate to the value it creates because collecting, uh, you know, quantitative data as well as qualitative data from customers. I mean, it could really move the needle, whether it's product roadmaps, whether it's a sales approach or whether we wanna service our customers differently. And do you feel any difference or do you feel that, hey, now this set needs to be, you know, really uh, put in a more agile way? Um, tell us a little commentary about being in, a, being in a high growth SaaS company.
0: Being in a high growth SaaS company is really building a plane and maybe, you know, some ground artillery while you're operating all of it. <laughs> And so uh, one of the great aspects of Salesforce is that customer success is one of our core values as a company. And so, you know, as we're listening to customers, we are testing everything from the names of products, how we price and package them, to onstage keynotes for big events, you know, our go-to-market strategies, every single aspect of what we do. And one of the dynamics about how that plays out a little bit differently in such a high growth company is the range of topics that you cover when you're inquiring entirely new companies and product lines that might not have existed when you did your new fiscal year planning or brand new products that the company decides to bring to market and wants to test quickly. And so it's really about striking a balance between you know, kind of doing the check-in about those ongoing relationship aspects that matter But also being agile and nimble enough to adjust at the moment and say, we have a new opportunity, we have potentially an entirely new customer base, how do we quickly engage, get proactive and take action on that feedback, and then scale that Um, to meet this, you know, increase and expanding product line, increase and expanding amount of customers, and then countries in which we're doing business as well.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And it, it must be really exciting to work in a high-growth environment like that where you know the company is pushing uh, in terms of innovation, uh, new ways to work with customers. And on the other hand, customers are demanding more things, different things from the company. So it sounds like you're in a super exciting space. You're an author. And um, I got a chance to read Success for Less. It's just fascinating. I mean, it's, it's a great account of Um, Some of your own personal trials and tribulations, you went through those, um, you addressed those, you succeeded, and then you you realize, hey, there's a formula to this. Success for less is just incredible. It doesn't just help you with your career or your relationships. It's just about life. And you could apply this to so many different areas in our lives. It's incredible.
0: Well, thank you for the feedback and for making time to read the book. And I think what I discovered is really... In retrospect, I did not grow up with a lot of professional female role models around me. And so the people I saw were on, you know, a particular set of paths in life where they were happy and successful. Um, But what I found was I ended up entering the workforce and taking the formula that I had learned along the way you know, getting the gold stars on the chore chart, being, you know, easy, pleasing and agreeable. (laughs) And then added that to just looking around the workplace at other people who I thought were successful. And what seemed to happen to me in that formula of successful people was that they said yes to everything. They delivered results and they made it look pretty effortless and that the reward for that was being trusted with more. You know, more responsibilities, more visibility, more access. And so I thought, okay, it's kind of like the chore chart mentality kind of stepped up into the work environment. And so I started doing that also, you know, just say yes.
1: That is so true, because one of the things I hear about in Silicon Valley all the time is great work is rewarded with more work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is great. And I will quote you when I use that. Um, it's true. And so I thought, well, this must be the path to be successful. And what was interesting was it worked, you know, I got a few promotions, more responsibility, joined some community organizations and the challenge for me where it all came crashing down was what no one tells you about living someone else's formula for success is that you might end up with somebody else's life and that might not suit you entirely. And so in my case, all those yeses ultimately compounded into major medical. You know, I was so overcommitted and under so much stress that it activated a series of very negative unintended consequences with regard to my health um, that took me ultimately on really an eight-year journey um, of misdiagnosis and then trying to get well. And so the turning point for me really in that story was the time in my life when I could no longer do more. I mean, I literally couldn't do my own formula any longer. And so I really had to confront what mattered most to me. And at that point, you know, I realized my top goal was to get healthy. And if I was going to get healthy, then every yes had to be filtered through whether it was going to move me closer to that goal. And that was the first time in my life, I think, that I had really been crystal clear that I had a very finite amount of time and energy And that unless I could get clear on my top priorities and align my time with that, then I was always going to be spread too thin because there was no filter about why to say yes or no to anything.
1: That's so true.
0: Yeah. So the reason I wrote the book is, you know, as I talked with other people, I just discovered that it is a challenge to know your top priorities and then have the courage to say yes and no to the things that move you toward or away from those goals and that we're all trying to be healthy and well, right? And still have jobs and families and other pursuits. And that it helped to share that story because it let other people, you know, feel normal also and know that where they were at that moment wasn't ultimately where they had to be. There was another way.
1: Well, and I would encourage everybody to read Success for Less. It's not easy to be to be able to share stories that are so personal and um, being so vulnerable. I mean, we read about this all the time. Hey, you got to be a great leader, but you also have to be vulnerable. And we, we know that, but it's hard to do and it takes courage. And, uh, how, how, how were you able to do it? Given that you, you went through that for eight plus years, how did you muster up the courage and built yourself and kind of really were okay to share your stories uh, with others?
0: One of the best resources that I had encouragement that I had to show up in a more authentic way uh, was an executive coach that was chosen for me by a very wise boss who knew that if I wanted to continue in my career, that it wasn't always going to be about working harder and proving that I could do more and deliver it. It was really going to be about being an authentic leader who could bring people along in the journey And how realistic is it to work for someone you know who appears to always have all this plate spinning and everything is moving along really well and so i was shocked when i got connected with this executive coach through work because i was expecting this classic we'll talk to your team and your bosses let's pick a behavior you know you'll adjust it this after you do it for a certain period of time this will be the gateway to getting promoted and so on and so forth and i was shocked when she did do those interviews and then package the conversation of why do you have these behaviors? Mm. Not let's take some feedback and then react to it. It was what is the underlying root cause of some of these behaviors? And that really became a journey to being more authentic, being more open and finding new ways to relate to other people who are having those same challenges. Because I think I thought in the workplace, you know, if I shared some of those things, It would hold back my career or people would think i wasn't capable right of taking on more or of leading a bigger team and it actually wasn't true it was the opposite um but it took a lot of work you know to do that now with that said uh as i got to the point of writing the book i did have kind of a small panic attack right before the book was going to be published (laughs) because i suddenly realized like oh my goodness all these people are going to read the story and not just people i know people I don't know. And I literally called my publisher and said, I'm not doing this. I don't want the book to be published. And he was like, excuse me? Like, the book is written. It's like ready to go to the printer. I'm like, no, it's too much. I don't, you know, I don't want the story out there. It's it's too much. It's overwhelming. And he was like, okay, okay, let's step away from the ledge. And this is the beauty, right, of having other people in your life who kind of know your circumstances. So and, true. and encourage you, right? And, and just be the voice back to you to say, what's your goal here. Right. And I knew my goal was to be of service to other people. And you, you can't do that, you know, without sharing your authentic story.
1: Well, wow, that's, that is so incredible. And there's so many takeaways in that having people around you that can help you being of service to others, um, taking lessons from your own life and helping others, because those lessons could be learned by others without them going through the same, same amount of pain, et cetera. Well, why don't we shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about our favorite things. And this is one of my favorite parts of the show. Um, and this is a part where we ask you questions and you have to tell us, um, you know, your favorite things and why do you like them? It's
0: exciting. Um, I feel like I'm on a game show.
1: Yes, yes it, it is like a game show. Wow, right? <laughs> so um, Karen, what is your favorite app?
0: So my favorite app right now is an app called home, which does all ranges of kind of guided meditation or peaceful music, but it's designed to sort of help you relax and maybe transition out of a busy day or, you know, be prompted to be present in a moment. I'm loving it. And it's got a whole range of services, but I'm finding that helpful right now with my, my pause idea.
1: I love it. Yeah. It builds a great meditation practice. Awesome. Um, okay. Let's go to the next favorite. Your favorite book could be fiction, could be nonfiction business what have you.
0: My favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird and and has been for quite some time. And what I love about the story is, you know, if you think about the character Atticus Finch, right, who ends up advocating with regard to social injustice, what I love about the story, even though it definitely has some very sad aspects and outcomes to it, that he, he represents a turning point of not only standing up for a different set of values, but also teaching it to his children when it could potentially come at great cost. And to me, it's a story about ultimately how you lead social change, which is one person at a time, one choice at a time, teaching and sharing values with other people. So I absolutely. Love that book for all those reasons. In addition to it, it's incredibly well-written, of course.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's one of the best books I've read as well. And so one of the other uh, things I, l- I like about that story is also sort of the problem-solving um, that happens within the story. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just a great book. Um, all right, next, next one is your favorite quote.
0: I love Daring Greatly. So it's all about, right, it's not the critic who counts. And, you know, how many times for all of us when you're trying something new or you're thinking about taking a risk, right, or something doesn't work out, do you let the voices of other people who aren't really invested in you or your life matter in terms of your choices? And so I love that quote so much. I actually have the passage framed in my bedroom. So it's the first thing I see when I wake up every day. And it's the last thing I see when I go to bed at night, because it's just such a great reminder that progress comes from being daring. And that does not come without bumps and bruises and having to find ways to get up and rise up again and keep going. So I I love it.
1: And the last one in your favorites is favorite restaurant.
0: Asking me to choose a favorite restaurant (laughs) is like asking someone to choose their favorite child. So I'm going to have to break it down just a little bit. So, okay. Bay area in San Francisco there's a tiny sushi place called Akiko get a reservation it is stunning it is perfection when I read the menu I've never heard of the things and they're decadent and fabulous and amazing uh, if I'm in London I love to eat curry London best city in the world for curry in my opinion uh, and if am I if I'm in my home city of Indianapolis I mean don't tell my doctor this because I'm obviously, <laughs> obviously I'm eating a kale salad there's this little tortoise place by my house that does the best queso with chorizo that you can imagine, and I'm sure it's part of my health and well-being, uh, just because I feel so happy when I'm there and eating it.
1: Absolutely, and you know, we all need our cheat days once in a while, and that's totally cool. Absolutely, awesome. Hey, that was great, and and as as we talked about your career journey, and uh, we talked about your favorites. Um, do you have certain routines, uh, techniques that you apply um, maybe on a daily or a weekly basis? Um, For example, do you have a morning routine? Um, Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yes, so I am a morning routine of having coffee. That's probably the one that's the most consistent. But um, a few things over time that I have found work very well for me. So in terms of my work calendar, You know, I try to choose two to three hours per week of blocked out work time Mm. for myself. I like it best at the end of the week so that I can have a mental parking lot of wrapping up everything that needs to be done and making my list for the next week. And I find that helps me transition into the weekend a whole lot better and be more pleasant and fun to be around. Um, Second piece of routine that works really well with me uh, is with regard to fitness. So I make a commitment to do one Pilates session a week with the trainer, one yoga session a week in a class. And I find that even if I do nothing else, at least I know I have those two appointments and they are life-changing just in terms of focus on being well, stretched out, present, mentally clear. Um, Those things I am, I'm pretty religious about. Uh, Another one is just on the kind of social front, two of my regular traditions, because I believe part of you know, what makes life rich and well are the relationships that we have with people and making time really to enjoy those. Yep. So a couple favorites. I'm fortunate that my 95-year-old World War II veteran grandfather is still living. So Sunday afternoons are my time with my grandfather. Yeah. And then I've been in a book club with essentially the same group of fantastic women for well, quite some time now, really since 2001. And that is my one sacred night a month on my calendar that no matter where I'm traveling, what meetings I've been in, how my day went, I am there, I am, I am engaging, I'm having fun um, and being really anchored and grounded there. Uh, and then I would say the last piece, uh, just interestingly on the nutrition front, uh, I learned a lot about fasting. So I do incorporate one fast day a week into my routine um, because I find it works well for my own personal health and well-being. Um, I know lots of people are starting on the intermittent fasting and so forth. Um, That is a great part of my routine. It just kind of resets, you know, your your cravings, your mindset, uh, and where you spend your time and energy that day.
1: There's so many nuggets there. I would love to unpack if I had more time. Um, Let me ask you a few more questions in terms of sort of getting ready, for example, getting ready for a big meeting or getting ready for a big workshop that you may have with a customer. Are there things that you would like to do before that that helps you put you in a better state or puts your team in a better state? Are there, are there techniques or tools that you like to use uh, to do that?
0: Yeah, so I found a couple of things that help in terms of getting ready for a big meeting is, first of all, I do like to take a few sessions or even small snippets of time to go through that content or outline with some other people. Because what I find is just even a couple of either practice runs or asking someone else, is my message coming through, helps me feel more calm about the conversation and that even if it shifts, I'm clear upfront. Like if an hour meeting becomes a 30 minute meeting, becomes a 15 minute meeting, becomes five minutes, I know I can hit the two key points and ask my one key question and still walk away feeling like that preparation was time well spent. Um, as opposed to feeling panicked of, oh my goodness, we only have five minutes or we got interrupted four times, now what? (laughs) The second piece is, you know, I try to think about what does a successful outcome of that conversation look like? Because sometimes it's truly about relationship building. Sometimes it's to resolve a problem. Sometimes it's to compel someone enough that they want to meet with you again, but really zeroing in with people, especially when there's multiple people in the meeting, you know, what does success look like? Because again, if we get into a time crunch or things go sideways, how do we sort of return to that objective and maybe even test it with the customer at the beginning of the meeting? You know, what does success look like to you? Those are a couple of things that I think just help make great use of the time and also help you stay focused and not look flustered if things go a radically different direction or, you know, the priorities or timeline or meeting attendees change a little bit
1: yeah that 's great. I think I really like the peer review. I loved asking the customer up front. I think those are great ways to making it more effective and uh, makes a better experience for everybody. Um, Karen, this has been great. As we wrap up our session, are there any key messages that you would like to share with the listener?
0: A couple of things come to mind. you know The, the first one is. You know it doesn't matter you know who your parents were or where you went to school or who your boss is right now success is available to everyone you know it's not reserved for an elite set of people who went to the right school or found the right path or got the right promotion or lived in the right neighborhood you know success is a goal that you can define and it's all about finding what matters most to you and spending your time on that and i would say the second part of it is, you know, where you are now is not necessarily indicative of where you have the potential to go. So if you're feeling stuck or overwhelmed or unhealthy or whatever your situation might be, just because that's where you are at this moment doesn't mean that's where you'll always have to be. And it's easy to lose sight of that, I think, in really difficult times or setbacks or when you're at a crossroads. There's just always an opportunity to choose another path and to engage other people in helping you get there, um, which is the best way to do it, right? The support makes all the difference in the world. But your life still is full of potential. You're still full of potential, regardless of what other detours or alternate paths you might've taken.
1: Career Nation, the last two minutes were just pure gold right there. I would highly encourage you to rewind and listen again to the last two minutes. Karen, this has been incredible. If, if folks wanna get in touch with you, they wanna message you, um, what's the best way to do that?
0: You can find me a couple of ways. I'm on Twitter at Karen Manji. You can find me on LinkedIn. And also you can drop me a message to my personal email, which is kemangie at hotmail.com.
1: Awesome. Karen Mangia, thank you so much. Wish you all the wonderful success ahead and we'll hopefully connect with you sometime in the future.
0: Sounds great. Thanks so much for the time and the opportunity. I appreciate it.